Hi, this is the official podcast of Riverside International Church in Lisbon. Riverside is an international, contemporary, caring, and Christ-centered community. Our vision is to significantly impact the country of Portugal and the regions beyond with the gospel. Thank you for listening to us, and we hope that your life will be impacted by these teachings. God bless. It's been one of those weeks for me. Uh, you have some great weeks, and you have some hard weeks. And uh, I remember work, waking up on Friday morning. Uh, I could, we take turns. When Jade wakes up very er early, we take turns as who's going to get up and go to the living room with her. And so this time it was Reuben, and I just I couldn't get out of bed. I told Reuben, I feel like I've been hit by a bus, a bus called Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> um, and the amazing thing to me is that at Riverside, we preach in message series. And that means that the topics for the next four to five weeks are predetermined. We choose them. And so when I go to prepare my sermon that given week, I don't have to be creative as to what I'm going to preach. I mean, I have to study the, the topic and I have to study the content of the message. But the title is given to me. And it's amazing to me how so often when I go to preach this, this topic, it's, it's for me. Before, before it ever goes out to you, so often God is wanting to speak into my heart. And this, this week was one of those weeks where God just wanted to, to encourage me. And I pray that it's an encouragement to you too. So last week, Reuben started our new message series called Characters. And he started with the character of Samson. This week, I'm going to be talking about a character, three characters actually, called Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And instead of going and reading the whole chapter, I'm going to kind of try to summarize the story as best as I can. So the story of these three men takes place about 600 years before Jesus. There were three Jews living in Jerusalem when the Babylonian Empire invaded Judah. And as they take over Judah, Jerusalem is completely plundered. Solomon's temple, that beautiful temple that had been built for the Lord, it's completely destroyed to the ground. And thousands of Jews are deported to Babylon. You can see it, you can see it in, the, in the map. That's how they were deported all the way to Babylon. And in the midst of these numbers were four men called Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And once in captivity, these young men are given new names. Maybe you'll know them by their new names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael, Meshach. And Hazariah, Abednego. And so as time goes by, these guys prove themselves to be good leaders. They prove themselves to be wise beyond their years. In one particular occasion, the king, his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. This name is impossible to spell. Um, I just did copy-paste every time I had to <laughs> spell it in my sermon. But this king has a dream, and he, he can't interpret this dream, and no one can interpret this dream until Daniel shows up. And by the grace and by the revelation of God, he's able to interpret this dream to the king. And as a result, the king appoints him as, as a prominent leader in the province. And at Daniel's request, he appoints Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as Daniel's advisors. And so these guys are now prominent leaders in the province. They had material wealth. They had status. They had influence. They were good. Everything was good until we get to Daniel chapter 3. The Bible explains that one day King Nebuchadnezzar wakes up and he decides to build this huge golden image. 
and, and, as a, and as a way, as a symbol of his power, and as a way not only to test people's reverence to him and, and people's allegiance, I mean, people's obedience to him, he's also testing people's allegiance to him as king. And so this king, he says, when you hear the music play, I want everybody in this empire to bow down and worship this image. And here is where the story gets tricky. He says, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And the thing is that our three characters of today, they were Jews. And not only were they Jews by culture, but they had a very real relationship with God. And because they had this very real relationship with God, they had his words ringing loud in their hearts. Louder than any command given by any king, thou shall not have any other gods before me. And so we read in verse 12 of Daniel chapter 3 that as the music starts to play, as everybody starts to bow, these three men refuse to bow. And so they were brought before the king, a furious king, and still they were unmoved at what could happen to them. They refused to worship this image. The king was so furious that he orders the soldiers to heat up the furnace seven times hotter than usual. These three guys, they're tied up and thrown into the furnace. The fire was so hot that it killed the soldiers that were escorting the three guys into the fire. And here's where our story takes a huge turn. The Bible says that as the king looked in, he marveled at what he saw. There were four men instead of three walking around completely unharmed. He called out to them immediately, and this is what the king says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And so the men were promoted, and all of the Israelites in the land were given protection and freedom of worship. And that's the gist of the story. And so there's so many lessons that we can learn from our characters today. But as I thought about this story and I, as I studied scripture, there's one conclusion that stood out to me particularly. And that is, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. It's the reality that we live in. It's the world that we are living in. These guys weren't doing anything wrong. I mean, they're taken into captivity, and then they weren't going out to mistreat anybody. They weren't, they weren't hurting anybody. They weren't going out of their way to disrespect anybody. They're just doing their own thing. We live in a world that has fallen, and because of sin, bad things happen. No one is completely shielded from pain, shielded from suffering, not in this life. See, I know so many people that they believe, well, if you do good to the universe, the universe will do good to you. And though... That may be a good rule to live by. I just, I want to tell you that it's just not true. <laughs> if you are putting your confidence in that, then my friend, I'm afraid that one day you're going to be rudely awakened when you've tried so hard to be a good person and still you find yourself in pain. The same sun shines on the righteous and on the unrighteous. All of us face struggles, death, disease, disability, difficulty in relationships. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, 
but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I know some of you are like, wow, Gabby, way to start a message. <laughs> I thought I was happy coming in, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> but bear with me, because the story of our three characters today is a story of hope. It's a story of joy and of strength. Yes, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it proves that bad things happen to good people. But it also proves that God can redeem. It also proves that God can make beauty out of ashes. It proves that nothing we do for God is in vain. It proves that God is faithful to fulfill his promise, that he does work all things. That verse says all things together for the good of those who love him. And so let's start today with a very basic question. And this is a question that surely, at some point in your lives, all of you, as I have, asked, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow it? I mean, God knew these guys, right? These guys were faithful to him. God knew their hearts. God knew that they were living for him. God knew that they loved him. And yet he was oddly quiet as they stood before a furious king who was about to kill them. God was nowhere to be found as they are tied up and they're being dragged in the direction of the fire. Where was God? Why did God allow it? And the basic answer to this very basic question is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know and I'll never fully understand why God allows suffering sometimes. I don't know, I don't have the full answer of why God allowed that to happen to you. As I look across our congregation to today, and as I know some of your stories, I don't know why God is allowing this to happen to you right now. I don't have the answer of why God allowed certain things to happen in my life. In our story today, they didn't need to see these men not bow down. It's not like they were protesting against the image. They were simply not bowing. I don't know why God allowed them to be caught. I don't know why, why God didn't do something. I mean, this king, he liked Daniel, and these guys are Daniel's friends, so why did the consequence have to be so serious? Why did it have to be the fire? I don't know. But as I study the story a little bit deeper and in more detail as I read scripture, I can find some answers. And so today we're going to start by looking at a couple of answers to this very basic question. And the first one is, sometimes God allows the fire because our miracle is in the fire. The truth is that often when, when everything is going well, it's easy to become complacent about our faith. It's easy to, to live this kind of lukewarm walk with life, with God. We're so fragile. I mean, we're here today, we have no guarantee of tomorrow. Our lives are so fragile. We see with this coronavirus, it doesn't choose the wealthy or the rich or the poor. It, it hits anybody. We're so fragile. And yet when everything is good, it's so easy to become independent and to feel strong and feel like we're self-sufficient and we don't really need God. And so when everything's cool, we know about God. We know about his grace and his mercy. We have all of this head knowledge about who he is. And we so easily go through the motions of faith in these spiritually shallow waters. We start building our lives day to day. And Christianity is, it's a nice part of our lives. God is, is a nice part of it. See, when I, um, 
when we got married, we went on honeymoon, and um, while we were still on honeymoon, I get a text from my dad, and, and the text is saying, when you get back, you need to come immediately and clear out your room. I want to turn it into an Airbnb. And so, <laughs> so we all have different coping mechanisms, and I like to think this was just my dad's, just remove any trace of her. <laughs> And so I get home, and again, he texts me like, okay, you're home, you need to come. So we, I go to my room, and there's an important thing to know about me is um, I am not a hoarder. I don't like to accumulate too many things. I'm not a minimalist because I think the space is a reflection of what's in the mind. And so there's some things in there, so I'm not super minimalist, um, but I'm not a hoarder. And so I get into uh, my room. And uh, I'm very different from my mom in this, uh, in this aspect. But I get into my room and I look at this, all this stuff that, I mean, since I was a little girl, and, and I'm kind of looking at it and, oh yeah, this is nice, but I don't need it. This is nice, but ugh, it's really just trash. I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need this. Until I get to this one box. And this box is uh, a box of embroidered frames that my mom made for me when I was a baby. Really, really special. And so my mom's sitting there, and she's already, like, panicking because of all the other things I've given away. And so I hesitate with this box, but still I put it in the donations <laughs> pile because what am I going to do with it? And my mom's kind of looking at me, oh, you're going to give it away? I made that for you as you were a baby. It's so special. Well, mom, what am I going to do with this? And so I didn't take it home. I never kept it. I don't even know where it is now. Maybe she kept it. Um, but the reality is, and what I'm trying to say here is that some of, for some of us, God is like this embroidered frame. He's special, and he has sentimental value, and maybe there's a story to tell about him. But if we're honest, he has no use. There's no use to it. If we didn't have it, it wouldn't make a difference in our lives. For some of us, okay, God, calling ourselves a Christian, it's nice, and we feel good about it. And maybe we even like to tell people that we go to church because church is a cool place to go. But if we didn't have the word of God in our lives, it would make no difference. If we didn't pray every day, it would make no difference. But when suffering hits, you're confronted with taking your faith deeper. Suffering makes God real because in suffering, simple pat answers on the back are not going to do it. When you're suffering, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, somebody just saying Jesus loves you is not going to do it. When you're hurting, this nice verse on a pretty background on a Facebook or Instagram post is just not going to do it. When you're suffering, all of a sudden we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're desperate to taste the goodness of God. We need God in a real way. We're go from, we go from this largely academic understanding of who God is into this intimate dependency on God. The Bible talks about this man, this other character, and his name was David. And David went through trials in his life. David went through some really difficult times in his life, times where he messed up and the consequences were his own fault, times where just bad things happened to a good person, times where he was struggling, times where he saw no hope, and this is how David prayed. We read in Psalm 84 too, my soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. In another verse he says, my whole being longs for God because your love is better than life. This is a man who went through the fire. 
This is a man who suffered and whose relationship with God wasn't just this superficial, nice add-on to his life. It was everything to him. You see, it's one thing to know that God is comforter. It's another thing to know his comfort. It's one thing to know that God is a deliverer. It's quite another thing to experience his deliverance. To know that Jesus can save cannot be compared with worshiping him as my savior. And so the miracle is in the fire because it's in the fire that you truly know God. It's in the fire where you seek him with all of your being, with all of your strength, with all of your soul. And because of it, you actually experience the power of God, the unconditional love of God, the patience of God, the faithfulness of God. The Bible says in verse 24, if we go back to our story, then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. See, so often we go through life for days and weeks without any consciousness of God's presence in our lives. But when trouble comes and when life starts to tumble around us a little bit, all of a sudden we discover that Jesus has been by our side the whole entire time. It's in the fires of life that we often experience the presence of Christ most powerfully. The second answer to today's very basic question is that sometimes people need to see you in the fire to believe. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they already knew God. They already placed their trust in him. When they're brought to the king and this king is furious and he says, is this true? They could have backed down. They could have just made up something. They could have just bowed down in the moment, make sure that nothing else happens. But they didn't. The Bible says that this was their answer to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar. This is quite a gutsy answer. <laughs> this is what they say to him. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Even if we were thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. See, they knew their God was able. They didn't need to test God's ability. They believed that God could deliver them. Can I submit to you this morning that what you're going through may not be about you? And I know that it's hard. I know that so often it feels impossible when we're right in the eye of the storm, it feels impossible to look beyond our own pain and our own discomfort. But maybe what you're going through is about bringing others to the joy of their salvation. When the king shouted for them to come out of this fire, this is what happened. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. See, when you're courageous in your suffering, it's attractive. When God becomes visible in your worship, even when it's hard to sing, it's attractive. The Bible says that the, that the others, they crowded around them, saying, wait, wait a minute, wait, I saw you in the fire. 
I saw you with my own eyes. I saw you in your brokenness. I saw you when your marriage was about to crumble. I saw you when your family was about to be split up and there was no return. I saw that with my own eyes and now here you are restored. Here you are whole. Here you are full of faith. They crowded around them. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But I saw you in the fire. I saw you when you had just lost everything. I saw you when you lost your family member. There was no hope. There was no returning from that. I saw you when you lost your job. I saw you when you had no more income. I saw you. You were lost. You were broken. You were in the fire. There was no coming out of that. And now here you are, full of joy, full of peace, full of purpose. It's attractive. People crowded around them. And then it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 26, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Sometimes people need to see you in the fire to believe. The Bible says that the king saw and then he praised. In verse 29, he, he shouts out to them and he says, no other god can rescue in this way. A.W. Tozer, he said, Next to the Holy Scriptures, the greatest aid to the life of faith may be Christian biographies. See, when people see you in the good times, but they also see you in the bad. When they witness you living by faith and not by sight, even when things are difficult, even when they don't make sense, even when you don't fully understand, they're able to see the undeniable presence of God in your life. They're able to see, and who knows, they might just praise as a result of it. When people in your workplace, they see you struggle, and they still see your faith. When people in your family, they share in your struggle, and they still see your faith. They still see your confidence in God. They still see your peace. They still see your joy. They still see your ability to forgive. When people see you in the fire, Maybe they won't just see one of you, they'll see two of you. They'll see the undeniable presence of God in your life in the middle of the fire. And so what can we learn from these guys? What can we learn from them? How can we live in the same way? How can our faith be strengthened? How can we... Live this faith in our fires, in our struggles. Because like I said, none of us are shielded from it. None of us are shielded from bad things happening to good people. Jesus is talking to Christians. When he says you will have trials and you will have sorrows, he's talking to Christians. Christians who are meant to only be doing good to other people, only serving other people. And so he says, he guarantees we're going to have trials, we're going to have sorrows. So what do we do? How can we have the same faith as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first thing we can learn from them, be convinced. These guys were completely convinced of who God is. Nothing 
could sway them. Nothing could make them bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. No threats, no consequence, no punishment. They were fully persuaded of the promises of God. They were unmoved. The Bible speaks of another character. His name was Abraham. And when, he speak, when the Bible is speaking about Abraham, Abraham was going through one of the hardest trials a parent could ever go through. I can't even imagine putting myself in that situation. He was about to lose his child, his only promised child. And this is what the Bible says about him. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Be convinced, fully persuaded, unmoved of God's promises. Not just head knowledge. We need to take our head knowledge, our Christianese knowledge, our, our churchy knowledge about who God is, and we need to trust him with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strength. When the math doesn't add up, trust in him. When the diagnosis seems despairing trust in him when it doesn't make sense trust in him when the stakes are so high and the loss seems too big to bear trust in him with all that you are because he is able be convinced secondly be surrendered see these guys were not only confident in the ability of God to deliver them but they were fully surrendered to the will of God to do so or not. They say to the king, listen, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But then one of the most powerful verses that we'll ever find in the Bible, at least for me, this is what they say to the king. But even if God can deliver us, God is able to deliver us, we have no doubt about it. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. See, I think that we're so often led by our own understanding of what is fair and what is just. We make our prayers to God, especially when we're in trouble, especially when we're hurting. We pray to God fervently, but we also demand that God answers how we think he should. This is what makes sense, right? If I'm sick, you should heal me. If I'm unemployed, you need to give me a job now. And we, and we determine how God has to answer our prayers, but I'm about to be very theologically controversial here now, and it's okay if you don't agree with me. But pray to God. Pray to God and believe that he is able, because he absolutely is, no doubt about it. The Bible says when you pray, don't doubt. Don't doubt. He is able. Pray for God to heal you. Pray for God to come to your aid. Pray for God to move mountains. Pray for God to do the impossible because he absolutely is able. But in everything, be submitted to God's will. These guys teach us what real surrender looks like. They did not doubt God's ability, but neither did they presume to know God's will. They recognized that God's plan might just be different than their desires. And they were okay with it. Because they knew who God was. God is good. And if God is good, we can trust him. And I, I, I know that I use this verse a lot in my messages. 
But maybe I need to be reminded of it, and maybe that's why it's there so often. <laughs> but this is what the Bible says in Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Believe that God is able, but surrender to his will. Because he may just do something that is so beyond your imagination, that is so beyond anything that you could ever conceive for your good. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Be expectant. See, you would think that because they had so much faith that God would bring breakthrough before the fire. Not necessarily. <laughs> when Nebuchadnezzar heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's defiant words, he didn't back down either. In fact, he just turned up the pressure. He tells the soldiers, heat up the, the furnace seven times hotter than usual. See, things may be heating up in your life. You took a stand for God, and now God's about to deliver you, right? No, maybe things just got worse. You took a stand for him. You were faithful to him, and now everything's worse than it ever was before. You're staring right at the fire, a fire that you've never seen before. You pray that God would save you from the fire, but it remains closer than ever. Well, don't be discouraged. <laughs> Because the Bible says that when, devil, when the devil turns up the heat, so does God. The Bible talks yet about another character, and his name is Joseph. And Joseph went through terrible trials in his life. Talk about bad things happening to good people. His brothers sell him into slavery. This guy goes through imprisonment, betrayal, all kinds of hurt and pain. And yet God is able to do something so miraculous that what his brothers thought, they were just getting rid of him. Instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery. And years later, Joseph becomes the second in command in all of Egypt. And God uses his life to save thousands of other lives in one moment. The Bible describes that his brothers are standing before him now all these years later. And this is what Joseph says to them. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Be expectant. When you walk into the fire, even if God doesn't deliver you before the fire, be expectant that God can do the miraculous. That God can use the fire so that others may believe. That God can use the fire to bring you closer to him. God can make good out of bad because that's just who he is. This week I was with Pedro and, and Pedro's been talking to some, some guys at the Lisbon Project and they're from Afghanistan and, and I, I got the chance to just speak to one of them and kind of get to know his, his story a bit more. Actually Pedro was like, you need to, you need to hear his story And so he's, Pedro and him are, are telling me about his story, just the summary of it, and, uh, and it's really crazy. So this guy is an asylum seeker from Afghanistan. He's here in Portugal, um, and, and he's looking for asylum. His papers are still in the process, and while he's waiting, he's staying at one of these hostels or these, these kind of accommodations that they provide for asylum seekers, which just aren't the best conditions at all times. And so he's bored, and so because he's a good guy, he decides to help the cleaning lady clean the place. And as, as they're both cleaning, this other guy is kind of just making a mess. 
And so he turns to him and he says, hey, man, like, you wouldn't do that at home. She's trying to clean. Like, just have some respect. This guy did not like his comment. And so at some point, I'm not sure if it was the same day or if, if it was that week, but this guy, there, he's, he's just the guy of our story. He's just walking um, in the park, and this other guy walks up behind him with a glass bottle and smashes it against his head. And so now this guy's fallen in the park, and he's, he's hurting, he's bleeding. And this woman walks up to him, and she helps him. And as she helps him, she gets to know his story and, and tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, it turns out that this woman is a minister in the government and introduces this guy to the president of the republic. He's able to tell him his story. The president goes, well, what's happening with your papers? Oh, well, they're still in the process. Well, tell me your story. Okay, it'll be figured out in two weeks. He had all his papers. He's legal and he's living in Portugal. And that's just how God works. Not only is he living in Portugal, but he's at the Lisbon Project where, Ru where Pedro and I are able to tell him that Jesus loves him. That beyond any reason of why he thought he was coming to Portugal, maybe, just maybe, he came so that God would draw him closer to him and bring him to the joy of his salvation. That's how God works. And so I don't know what your fire looks like. I don't know the suffering that you're going through. I don't know the incomprehensible things that you're feeling and that you're having to face. I don't know the giants in your life, but I know that they're tough. And excuse my language, but they really suck sometimes. They're really hard, but be expectant. Put your trust in God. Be expectant because he can do something beautiful. He can make beauty out of ashes. He can do the miraculous, and putting your trust in God will never be in vain. God is faithful, and even if you don't live to see it, God will use it for good. And most of all, God will be glorified. And lastly, to finish today, be brave. We can learn that from these three characters, be brave. Maybe God isn't going to save you from the fire. Maybe you will be tied up and dragged right into it. But he will bring you through it. This is what Isaiah says. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot that it killed the soldiers who were just escorting them. Fire is deadly. Fire kills some See, all around me, I see people who have lost their hope. People who have lost their peace and their joy. The hardships of this world have completely robbed them of their purpose. And life can do that to you. Pain can do that to you. But the Bible says that we are his. And that because he is with us, we will not be burned. If you are fully persuaded by the promises of God, you will not be destroyed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we are hard-pressed on every side, all of us. No matter who you are, if you're a good person, if you're not so good, we're all hard-pressed on every side. 
but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Be brave because you are his and he will walk you through the fire and you will not be burned. When you walk through the fire of sickness, of betrayal, of financial struggle, of hurt, of pain in your relationships, you shall not be burned. And not only will you not be burned, but God says that he will be with you, that you will never be alone, be brave. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I want you to be reminded of these things as we, as we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and what they had to go through. Be convinced of God's promises. Be convinced that God is able, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter how desperate, no matter how broken, no matter how it seems that there's just no return from it, be convinced that God is able to deliver. God is able to heal. God is able to do anything that he wishes to do. God can sort the situation. God can make something good where you only see hurt, where you only see pain. Be convinced of God's ability to deliver. Be surrendered. Be surrendered that God will work all things together for your good, but it might just not be the way that you thought. It might not be in your timing. It might not be using the people that you thought. Be surrendered that God will work according to his will because in the end, it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about his glory, that he may be made visible in our lives and in the lives around us. Be expectant. Be expectant for God to move. We don't go through the pains and the struggles of this life without hope. You see so many people around us and, and they, they're depressed and they're hopeless and they're helpless. And as Christians, we may be helpless, but we're never hopeless. Because God can do something. Be expectant and full of faith. For him to work. And lastly, lastly, be brave. <laughs> be brave. Be encouraged. Be filled with courage. As you go about your Monday tomorrow, and as you go about your Tuesday the next day, and Wednesday, and maybe the problems don't, don't go away straight away. We were listening to Carolyn and Chris. Sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's a slow process, and sometimes you're hitting your head against the wall, and it seems like nothing's happening, nothing's moving. But be brave, because God is with you. The presence of the Lord is all around you. Be conscious of his presence. As you go to work, be conscious of his presence. David prays a prayer. He says, your love is better than life. Man, when we have this understanding that God's love is better than life, nothing can be compared to it, wow, that'll make you brave. That'll make you courageous to face any giant, to face any trouble. It's okay. Yeah, I may look a little small. I may look a little short. I'm Portuguese. It's just who I am. But if you should see my God. I haven't been to the gym in like two weeks. It's okay. You should see my God. You should see how strong he is. You should see how tall he is. You should see how wise he is. Look at my bank account. Yeah, fine. But look at his. 
you should see my God. Be brave. Go where he's calling. Be faithful. Follow him wherever it takes you because he is faithful. Be brave. Would you stand up with me and will we sing together? We hope that God has touched your heart with the message that he wants to tell us. If you would like to be updated with the things that are happening in our church, you will follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Riverside Lisbon. Thank you for listening.